growing up as a kid in Delaware, Ohio, I'm also a, a Midwesterner. Uh, some of my family's from Kansas City. Uh, but growing up in Delaware, Ohio, I loved reading military history and loved reading about World War II uh, and probably read every single book in the Delaware County Public Library on, on World War II. And of course, all the generals had attended West Point. Didn't really have a military background in the family. Uh, but when it came time to apply to colleges, I applied to West Point. I got in and decided to go. This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpre. If you're active at all, whether you're running or simply out walking for the day, you've probably experienced one of the number one problems that active people have, and that's chafing. Solpre's all-new, all-natural anti-chafe balm solves that problem while feeding your skin the vital nutrients it needs to be healthy. If you'd like to stop chafing once and for all and treat your body right, go to Solpri.com to check out the anti-chafe bomb today. That's S-O-L-P-R-I.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is going to take me outside of my comfort zone for sure. He is a retired U.S. Army colonel after spending 24 years in service. He's the author of the upcoming book, Grow Your Grit. He graduated from West Point and also has two master's degrees. Among his decorations, he was part of a battalion that earned the Valorous Unit Award, which we can ask him about if you don't know what that is. He's personally earned four bronze stars in his Ranger tab, among many other decorations. Welcome to the show, David Fivecoat. Thanks, Jesse, for having me. Super excited to be on your podcast today and, and talk about uh, being a smart athlete. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Um, the thing... Now, I ask people about their names all the time, and most of the time I'm just asking about pronunciations. Um, but between the two of us, it seems like we have thematic names. Like my last name's Funk, and I'm now back into composing music, so it's a musical name. When I saw your name and you know your career, for whatever reason, it seems like your last name is like a military name. Am I? Is my thinking in the right place there? Is it just coincidental that it sounds that way? Or is it just the framing of that you spent time in the military that I think that? Have you heard that before? Am I coming up with an original thought? Uh, so, you know, it is an interesting last name. There, There's uh, less than 200 uh, of us across the United States. Uh, it was originally German. It was Finfrock or Fumfrock, uh, and then literally translated uh, to five code around 1800, around Philadelphia. Two brothers translated it, one didn't. So you'll also find some fin frocks out there uh, as well. Uh, my part of the family ended up in Ohio uh, and there's a, there's a cluster in, uh, and another cluster in Florida uh, that I know of that uh, is sort of outside my immediate, immediate family. Okay. I, I like, I don't know a whole lot about the history of my last name either aside from that it is also of german descent in which many many people in the midwest are of german descent because that's where many german people settled uh when they came to this country uh, in farming country and all that kind of stuff so it was just a curiosity i it was like looking through things i was like is it a coincidence i don't know i'll ask it and figure out what's going on um so the the one thing that sticks out to me uh, for you in particular, and I have uh, friends who have served or are currently serving in various branches of the U.S. military, uh, but the majority of them seem like they're kind of, they're in for a relatively short time and then 
are out, whereas you spent 24 years in, in the Army. How did you become a lifer? Where does that decision come from? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, so growing up as a kid in Delaware, Ohio, I'm also a, a, a Midwesterner. Uh, some of my family's from Kansas City. Uh, but growing up in Delaware, Ohio, I loved reading military history and loved reading about World War II uh, and probably read every single book in the Delaware County Public Library on, on World War II. And of course, all the generals had attended West Point. Didn't really have a military background in the family. Uh, but when it came time to apply to colleges, I applied to West Point, I got in and decided to go. Uh, and uh, the West Point experience is a little different than your normal college experience. Um, but I, I, I had some grit, I stuck it out uh, and I'm an infantry officer. And my mantra throughout my army career was I was gonna stay in until it stopped being fun. And I got to the five-year point, which is your initial obligation that you owe from attending West, West Point. And I was, I was still having fun. I was like, oh, I really need to go be a company commander. And then I went as a company commander in the 82nd Airborne Division, had a, really enjoyed that time. 9-11 uh, happened and I was like, oh, you know, I, I need to stick around and keep doing this. And, um, you know, it just kept rolling and rolling and rolling until all of a sudden, you know, you, you turn around and you're like, wow, I'm, I did this for 24 years and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but now it's time to, to try something different. And so, uh, you know, at that point in time at age uh, 46, I made the transition uh, from the army uh, and transitioned uh, to, to uh, the, the, corporate, the corporate world and started doing leadership training with a, with a company. And then back in March of last year, uh, I decided that I wasn't being gritty enough and I needed to stand up my own company on the cusp of the pandemic. And so I stood up my own uh, leadership training and, and, and consulting company, uh, the Fiveco Consulting Group last March. And it's been an uh, extremely interesting uh, experience, uh, you know, standing up a company, growing it, trying to figure out blogging and how to, to, uh, to build your own website uh, and do all those different things that's, uh, that are part of being a small business owner. And so each of these endeavors from West Point to the military to now, uh, trying to run my own company have really been a challenge that I've enjoyed and had fun at. And, and I'm at the same point in this job of, hey, I'm going to keep doing it until it stops being fun. And then I, I need to go find something else to do. You know, that's it's interesting you say that. I was just on uh, another podcast myself, the Athlete Mindset Academy. And I, I'm this episode will probably come out before my episode of that show comes out. But um, one of the things we talked about and they had asked me about was basically like, like, why are you doing what you're doing now? Cause like I'm past the point of trying to chase a professional license and in like very likely last few years of being able to be lifetime fastest times, if that's even possible. So like, why are you doing what you're doing? Well, cause I find joy in it. And like, that's, that's something I try to advise to so many people especially people that are around me and say, Oh, I don't like running. I wish I liked running. It's like, if you don't like running, like you don't need to feel bad about it. Just find something that you do like doing and do that. Like <laughs> this the, now we both know, and you obviously you've written a book uh, about it. It's like, you need some ability to endure like a uncomfortable or distasteful situations sometimes, but if you're never having fun doing it, like you're just not going to last at whatever it is. So it, it's interesting that that was one of your main motivations for staying in. 
Yeah. No, the, the, the getting yourself out of your comfort zone and, and pushing yourself a little bit is, is one of those things that has, has meant a lot to me. I, you know, I know it means uh, a lot to you. Um, that kind of willingness to do that. And, and I agree with you on the, on the physical fitness, you know, uh, you know, I really enjoy, I used to really enjoy running. Um, I, I've got a, some ankle issues that don't make it nearly as, as enjoyable these days, but I still get out there and do it a couple of times a week. Uh, but I really enjoy bike riding. And for whatever reason at, at, at you know, I'm now about to turn 50. Uh, I can still keep up with the fast, the fast group here in town. Uh, and I can, and, you know, snag a, a Strava segment or whatever, but it involves some suffering to get there, right? You know, you've got to put the work in, you've got to, you know, you know, you've got to, you know, do your, your hill reps or your sprints or whatever. So you've got that speed so you can do that, but I enjoy it. I, I don't know why, you know, but riding the bike is a lot more enjoyable getting in the pool. Not as, uh, not as fun. Uh, I got in the pool for the first time this week in over a year, uh, you know, and it took a lot of mental effort to convince myself to actually go down to the pool, get in the pool and, and, and swim for not that long. Uh, but, you know, and then, you, you know, you get back in the pool and you realize your balance point is all bad. Uh, you're swimming super slow compared to what you remember that you did. Uh, and you're like, man, this is not nearly as fun as getting on the bike. I should be out of the bike right now. Yeah, so that which reminds me exactly, and you mentioned before we got going uh, this this ten minute tip, which reminded me you were talking about the pool. Um, thinking about this, I think it's from Chris McCormack, who's a former pro, former like top Ironman triathlete, and he, I think, I think it's Chris McCormack talking about if he had a day where he just didn't feel like doing whatever, say he didn't want to get in the pool, and he's just like, I just do not feel it. He'd make, a, he'd make a deal with himself. He'd say, well, I'll get in, I'll do one lap. And if I do one lap, I don't feel like doing it, then I'll stop. And if I do one lap and I feel okay, I'll do another lap. And then you kind of get in and it gets you in and it gets past that hump of like, oh, I don't want to do it. Um, and it, it, was like, it was like the exact same advice that you give to people, uh, like with your, you know, when you're coaching executives about, you know, just go for 10 minutes a day to, to be active in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just to make sure that your listeners know what you, what you and I were talking about. Um, I do some executive coaching and one of the aspects of the executive coaching that I always add in is a, is a physical fitness aspect. And so I talk to them about their leadership and and how they can improve that. And we, we deal with things that, that, that they're wrestling with in the company, but always try to wrap the hour long session up with, at least accountability on hey, how's your physical fitness going uh, and remind them, you know, whatever they're trying to work on, whether it's nutrition or, or fitness, Hey, you know, this mental trick of committing to doing to 10 minutes a day, um, you know, and some of the executives out there are so busy, you know, they're, they're running fortune 500 companies. They're, you know, on the road four or five days out of the week, they're eating poorly, but this idea that they, if they commit themselves to doing 10 to 15, 10 minutes of, of exercise and be okay with, hey, if that's all I get today, that's all I get. And that's all right. Um, you know, you're better off than having sat on the couch all day. Um, and, and so this 10 minute trick of, hey, I'll go do it. And it's exactly what like Chris McCormick's talking about in the pool. You know, hey, I'll, I'll, 
I'll go to the pool and I'll swim for 10 minutes. And if that's all I do, that's okay. Uh, it reduces the time commitment, which tends to be the, the obstacle that most of us have with physical fitness. Cause we remember those four hour bike rides that were just awesome for our fitness level. And, you know, we, we crushed this and, and all that. And, you know, days when we're working, you don't have that, that time. And so a 10 minute, you know, quick session of sprints or, uh, you know, running some stairs or doing some pushups and sit-ups is enough. Uh, it gets you active, gets the blood moving, uh, burns a few calories, and uh, enables you to to say, "Hey, I did something today. Hey, it was better than nothing, and I'll I'll get back after it tomorrow." Well, and like, it's this is a, another trick that um, one of my college coaches uses for himself, and you know, post college you know, you know, talking about transitions, I talk about athletic transitions, you, you, we can get to military transitions here in a minute. But one of the things he did, you know, he was a hurdler in college. That's not really a thing that you continue doing post college, unless you're doing it professionally, or go, trying to go to the Olympics or things like that. And he was not at that capacity. And so one of the things he did, is kind of like what you do with little kids. And I don't know if he literally did this, but this is the way he described it to me is if he worked out that day in some capacity, he'd get a gold star on the calendar for that day. And it was like, how many days in a row could he get without missing? And maybe he just marked it in my head. It's a gold star. So maybe I made that part up, but it was definitely like he marked the calendar in some fashion and it was a motivation to him to not have any misses. And it's just like trying to keep that momentum going. And, to me that, you know, we could, it's so easy to beat ourselves up about, oh gosh, I didn't get in that three hour ride or five hour ride, or I didn't go out for an hour run. It's like, okay, but there is that momentum, right? Where if you miss a day, then it's like, it's easier to miss another day. So even if you can just say, Hey, I, you know, I walked away from, in my case, the office chair here in my office, I stretched for 10 minutes, you know, did some calf raises or something good. I can check off another day. I'll, I'll get back on it tomorrow. That consistency, I think breeds consistency. So it's, I think it comes up in, in many people's lives that if, if you follow that kind of idea, you'll come to a better place than if you just say, uh, I'll get to it tomorrow. Even if you are trying to be honest with yourself and not like truthfully procrastinating. Yeah. One of the aspects of grit that I talk about is perseverance. And you're, you're talking about, you know, one of the, 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 the subcategories of it, which is, which is the streak and the power of the streak. Um, you know, there's a, uh, tracks the longest streaks, running streaks. Uh, and I can't remember, it's a British guy that has the record right now. It's uh, long. My mom. Yeah. My mom ran for 18 years straight um, and she was a, you know, 5k and 10k runner, did one marathon, uh, but she got into this streak and kept after it every day. Uh, I try to do some, you know, same thing with you, you know, I don't get a gold star, uh, but maybe I, I should add a gold star to, to it, but, you know, trying to do something every day. My biggest thing now, as I'm, uh, you know, almost 50 is making sure that I force myself to take that rest day 
whatever that rest day is. And it can be an intelligent rest day. You know, frankly, you know, a, a day in the pool is, is pretty much a rest day. You know, if you're not, you know, if you're not doing, you know, 3000 yards with, you know, hundred yard re repeats on the 130 or so, or, you know, something, right. something like that. Um, but that can be your rest day is a light day in the pool uh, can really, uh, you know, be that day that you take off and, and, and enable your body to rest and recover. Um, that to me is one of the struggles that I have as an athlete, including making sure I get enough sleep. Uh, because I would burn the candle at both ends, both in the army and now as a as an entrepreneur. You know, you know, you want to get all this stuff done. You've got a high capacity for work, uh, and the forcing yourself to get seven hours of sleep a night, uh, at least for me, uh, is a little bit of a challenge. And I don't very rarely like Garmin. I've got a Garmin watch. Uh, I don't know if whatever one you use, but you know, Garmin I, only gives I don't. you. <laughs> Garmin only gives you a check mark if you get eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, so gotcha. on the uh, on the reward system, uh, I, I try to get that once a week uh, and I try to get over seven hours of sleep. But man, in the army, I was living on six hours of sleep and lots of coffee because, you know, you had to get up and be in for PT at five thirty in the morning. Uh, you know, you work a full day, you're home, you know, at seven, you've got to do the, the chores around the house house and then you know all of a sudden it's it's 10 o'clock and you're going to bed and you get you're you're right back up at 4 45 the next morning you know I, I i often think about so you know you are well versed in this culture this idea of like work hard hustle have grit have determination you know push forward and i think that message is useful but sometimes i wonder is there a balance to be had? Am I simply just soft? And I think about people like, uh, so back on episode 56, I interviewed kind of a entrepreneurial mentor of mine, not a personal mentor, but he puts out content, Ezra Firestone. And he runs a uh, like low to mid eight figure e-commerce business. And uh, I asked him, he works six hours a day doesn't even work full eight hours. And he makes sure he delegates to people to get things done, knowing that like he could put in eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, but he's going to be trashed at some point and then not going to be productive. And he's just churning his wheels, tr trying to get things done, but he's, he's basically wasting his time. So I always have trouble trying to figure out where the line is between getting enough done and getting too little done. Like I've tried to impose shorter work days on myself to say, okay, I've got to really just focus for four hours, crank everything out, delegate everything else. But then I still find myself coming back and answering emails in the evening or just, so I struggle with that myself. And because, I mean, you've got the book, Grow Your Grit coming out and you, you talk to executives and coach executives. It is there a balance to be had? Um, how do you, if there is, how do you find it? 
Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. If you if you figure that one out, uh, I I think we've got another book in the making okay. uh, there. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's the work harder versus work smarter. You know, and I don't know if you read. You know, Tim Ferriss uh, wrote the book, The Four Hour Work Week. Oh yeah, um, I've got it. Somewhere. And so you know he. Yeah, I've got it. I got it on my shelf too, in the four hour body. And, and his point is very good, which is, hey, you need to work smarter. You need to delegate. You need to, you know, but I think there's a contrast. And I, I, I think, you know, when you're a, a solopreneur that is trying to get a business off the ground, there's a bit of, hey, I got to work harder rather than smarter. But I think as the business evolves, like your, your friend Ezra, you know, you continue to work, you can change that balance and that mix. So you're working smarter. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, we've been tied to the, you know, the eight to five, you know, work, work style. And all of a sudden COVID throws a wrench in the mix. Right. Uh, and all of a sudden we're working from home. Um, and for me, at least, uh, you know, I'm super, super effective in the morning. Uh, I tend to like a 15 minute nap after lunch and, uh, it's in one of my blog posts, so you can go back and look at it. So I, 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 I say that that's pretty good. And then sometimes I mix in the workout in the afternoon because I don't really get back into high productivity until after dinner. And so I'll catch up on emails after dinner. Um, and I'm okay with that because I know that I took the break during the day to, you know, go get groceries or, or go do the workout or, or whatever. Um, I am cognizant of other people's times and folks that don't work that way. And so I think one of the best inventions is the, the delay send on email because I can check it off. I'm big on lists and I have my, my list of things to do today. Uh, and I love checking things off, uh, but it enables me to check it off that I sent the email to Matt about a future program. And I know it goes out at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. So it isn't interrupting Matt's night, but I get it done and it's, it's on my schedule and I'm able to, to work, work around what works for me. Um, we all have to figure that out. You know, we're all balancing, you know, work, life, family, uh, you know, and, and all the other, other things. And so, there is a sweet spot there, I think, where folks can figure out, hey, how can I work smarter at this um, so I'm not just putting in the endless hours that may not be that productive? And so figure out the hacks or, or whatever you want to call them to, to do that. I just think for me, it's like figuring out and being honest in the moment, am I being productive or am I just like acting like I'm productive? you know, checking email, checking sales, you know, spinning around, like looking at things, looking at my to-do list. I'm not actually getting anything done. I'm just trying to feel like I'm getting something done. And if I find myself doing that for too long, I have to say, like, that's just, that's it for today. And I don't always do that well. Sometimes I, I find myself going longer, feeling like I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And that's another thing I talked about on that, that other podcast I was on is the, the danger of the word, sh word should. Like, I should be doing this. Well, yeah, but you're not. And if you don't have the capacity to do it, then should doesn't really matter. You're just not, you're not ready to do it. Do it at a later date. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I struggle with that. Um, have, 
Have you read the book, uh, The Power of Full Engagement? Um, I'm drawing a blank on who the author is, but I, I, I really enjoyed the book. The Army gave us a copy of the book, uh, both before I took battalion command and before I took brigade command. I read it, and I've read it several times since. Um, they're, they're convinced, the two authors are, are convinced that, you know, rather than working, you need to manage your energy rather than your time. And they're convinced that you shouldn't sit and work for more than 90 minutes uh, and that you should figure out ways to break up your morning or break up your day. Uh, they encourage, you know, if you like, you know, it's, it's just like we talked about earlier, you know, do what you like. For me, I take the dog for a walk around the block uh, or two, and that gets me out, clears my head, uh, you know, and re-energizes me. So that when, when I come back and sit down, I've got a higher level of energy and can actually be more productive on, on that task rather than just sort of, you know, we all get down the internet rabbit hole where, you know, oh, I could, I should search this and, oh yes. And then I should, you know, read this article that this other guy did and, and stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that book was super helpful for me to think, think a little bit differently about time and how to manage, uh, energy rather than time. Um, so I'm, uh, getting, attacked by yeah. Samantha, the <laughs> rescue dog, who's <laughs> saying, hey, can you, go lay, can you go lay down, please? Can you go lay down? Yeah. It's usually a sign that she needs to, to go out, but we, 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 we pre-gamed. We, we did our walk around the block, and she got an, a, a little bit of time out in the backyard, so she, she should be okay. <laughs> All right. I was like, I saw her walking through the frame. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's... I don't know that I've consciously thought about it so much, except recently that there's something interesting about if you just go, go take a walk, like get outside, just take a walk. I think we, in part for me, because I, you know, I run or go swim or whatever as part of my day normally, but I know it's been a, a, like a boon for me that I go drop off packages. Like I'm still cur currently personally sending out some packages that we ship for Solpri. And I know that I have kind of people in my mastermind group and mentors saying like, you shouldn't be dropping off packages. Like you shouldn't be doing that. But for me, my, the post office is a block over. Like I walk to the post office. I don't have to get in the car. So it's like an opportunity for me to get up, get outside and walk, like kind of built into my day. And I find that clearing my head, especially when I'm sitting down and trying to write music and I'm like trying to come up with a theme or, a, you know, a new melody of some sort. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Just sitting here staring at my computer with a keyboard, trying to figure it out. And it's like my brain unlocks somehow as I'm, I get out and just walk and go drop off packages or, or take the dog out for a walk or whatever it is. There's, there's something to that. I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, getting your blood flowing by going out for a walk or if it's a change of scenery or the lack of pressure, not sitting at the computer anymore, but there's, there's definitely something there. Yeah. Well, and it's the same idea that, you know, why do you get your best ideas when you're taking a shower, right? Because, you know, you're, you're in the present, you know, whether it's walking to the, the post office, you also get a little bit of social interaction there where you, you may not get that same social engagement, uh, you know, over zoom or multiple phone calls, um, 
it, and I think that's a perfect example of a way to help you manage your energy, clear clear mind, and make that that next time block so much more effective for you. Uh, you know, with doing something like that, and it, it works for you. Um, I I get why your mentors are telling you not to do it because it's a low, you know, it's something that you could outsource that makes your day more efficient. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, the same way I could, I could hire somebody to walk the dog, but, it, you know, it gets me out, clears my head, you know, and the power of actually being outside without listening to something, you know, either music or, or podcast, you know, you get that sort of mindfulness kind of thing that everybody encourages you to do, um, you know, the runner's high or the swimmer's high or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, helps you clear your mind so you can be, you know, do your best work. Yeah, and that's that's something I encourage often. So I have a show called Runner's High where I just I talk about running things on the YouTube channel. And so if you're listening to this while you're out running, I guess please continue listening. But I often suggest like if you're going out for a run, turn off the music. Like don't just just be with the run. I think there's one it's difficult for some people because they need that like constant distraction and they feel like they need that constant distraction. And my, uh, my inkling or my idea of the, the reason is I, I feel like there's like some kind of anxiety involved in not having that distraction in, in trying to have to be with yourself in that moment where maybe it's uncomfortable or, you know, not having all the extra stimulation leads to this, this sense of, you know, restlessness or anxiety. And much like you're exercising physically, I think there's a mental component to exercise there where you're practicing being still, which I think benefits you in many other ways and many other facets besides just, you know, being more internally aware of running. Um, but yeah, so it, it all kind of comes together, like with it clearing your head and thinking about being still and, and opening up that creativity and everything with with getting outside, whether you're walking or running or going to swim, which swimming is, I don't know about you, I've spoken to a couple uh, pro swimmers the last few weeks, uh, can be a meditative thing because there's very little st stimulus, you know, it's just you're staring at the bottom of the pool, flip back to the same bottom of the pool so yeah somebody somebody called it painting the the black line because uh, yeah. you're just staring at the black line at the bottom of the pool one of the like you i also had a pretty bad uh bike accident uh hit a curb at about 15 miles an hour and went over the handlebar person broke my scapula and uh had to recover from that um but my assessment out of it was I was overstimulated because I had, I was listening to music on the bike. Uh, and after that accident, which is now five years in the rearview mirror, uh, I, I have never ridden with music since, um, which I just think helps me, you know, clears my head, gets me in tune with the bike and, you know, listening to, you know, oh yeah, I need to loop the chain or, uh, you know, how you're, your legs are feeling or how your, your body position is or whatever. It just gets you in that present moment that, that really helps you uh, be more effective whenever you get off the bike. Yeah. It's, there's all those little things you'll notice if you're paying attention you're talking about needing to lube the chain. It's like, that's, that was a tough one for me to notice sometimes because 
it's gradual. It's not like one day everything's fine and then the next day everything's not fine. If it is, then you notice because it's like things are really off. But it, there's definitely a difference after you, you know, go through the process of cleaning your bike up. You're like, oh, everything shifts easier. Like it's easier to push the gears. That things are so much smoother. So it's like being being mindful of all that stuff. And I talk about rate of perceived exertion a lot on the running show, um, where that's super important when you know you're out for a ride. Well, yeah, you can use your second computer and say, I need to be at this many Watts. And that has its place too. But if you aren't in a place physically to produce those Watts, well, then it's not necessarily helpful either. So if you have an internal judge, then I think you're in a better place than if you only are relying on, like you said, whatever your Garmin's telling you or whatever the computer's telling you. Um, so I did want to ask you about the book that's coming out here in a few months there'll still be a few months by the time this comes out uh, so nobody can buy it quite yet i don't think unless you can pre-order it so maybe you can tell us about that but uh why write the book and and what is it about yeah um so so back li last year i had a friend uh asked me to look at uh some some grit stuff. And I had read Angela Duckworth's book and really found, found that uh, to be a great book. I read this other guy's stuff and uh, I came away for both of them saying, they do a great job of telling you what grit is, how to measure it, who has it, who doesn't, but they don't do really that good a job of telling you how to develop it in yourself. And so I thought back to my various experiences from West Point to Ranger School to combat, uh, to standing up a small business. I'm like, hey, I got maybe I have something to offer somebody here that will resonate with them about how to, to grow their own grit. And so the book has two parts. It has a first part, which is about how to grow your personal grit, um, which I, I define as the will to persevere to achieve long-term goals. There's six components of it. The first part, I think you need to find, figure out what your purpose is, because then if you can tie your goal to your purpose, it, it becomes that much more powerful and, and you can really leverage your own grit. Uh, you develop your goal, whatever your long-term goal is, perseverance, uh, resilience, courage, and then drive. Once you get that, that together, those six components can form grit and enable you to, to really work towards and achieve a long-term goal, whether it's going back to college uh, and, and finishing your degree or training for uh, an Ironman, whatever it is, those things give you an edge to be able to actually uh, develop uh, your grit, and then actually achieve your long-term goal. The second half of the book is how do you grow an organization's grit, which is the group's will to per persevere to achieve long-term goals. It's a little bit different than just assembling a, a group of gritty people all in the room. Um, as you know, some teams have some, 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 you sometimes do that and it actually is worse off. Uh, and so I think it actually requires a couple of different things. Once again, you've got to start that, that resonates with the group. You've got to have a goal and a plan to get there. I think a scoreboard is super help, helpful in this uh, when you're trying to have a gritty organization. Uh, and then you need a culture and then uh, a, a strong team, which is built through shared hardship and experience. Leadership pulls all five of those elements together into, into the, the organizational grit, but it's why you see some, some organizations are more gritty than others. You know, you look at different, you know, I, I follow 
uh, pro bicycling, you know, you see why the different teams are, are better, you know, uh, you know, for the longest time, Sky and Ineos were sort of the team. And then last year, uh, you know, out of nowhere, Jumbo Visma is, is a little bit stronger. They're grittier. They figured out a, a little bit of an edge uh, on the competition, which I th think part of it is due to their grit uh, and, and they're able to come away as the Tour de France uh, champions. Or no, I'm sorry. They, he got beat on the last day by uh, Pogacar uh, in the, uh, on, the, on the climb. Um, but anyway, uh, those two things are, 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 are powerful. I use some military experience that I've had. I've, I've also included some of the corporate stuff uh, that I've worked in executive coaching. Uh, it'll be out on the 12th of July. Uh, it's available for presale on Amazon right now, uh, it, only in Kindle form. Uh, once I'm in the process of editing it with the editor, uh, I've got another week with it. It goes back to her. And then once the inside is formatted, it'll be available for presale on both soft cover and hard cover uh, on, on Amazon. Uh, I'm on the only David Fiveco on, on Amazon uh, author's page. So it's pretty easy, pretty easy to find, although we're way down in the numbers on, uh, on book sales right now. So uh you got you to gotta go at least go down to the second page to find it. Well, I would think if there's only a couple of hundred five coats in the U.S., it, it's probably likely that there's not another five coat selling a similar book <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> so you should probably be in the right place. Um, but that's, so one of the things I, I wanted to ask about grit, because, I, you know, I've thought a lot about determination and perseverance and motivation Um throughout my life. And it seems like generally I, I come by it in spades pretty naturally. Um, and I always wonder why, why aren't other people as motivated as I am? Like, why, why does it seem like, you know, not to say I'm special, but just I'm different it, because it seems to serve me well. Like I get things done and I just wonder why aren't they? So I, I've always battled with the question of, can you grow motivation? Can you, can you start motivation in somebody? And I think grit goes along with that in, in terms of, can you give that to somebody? Can you, know, can you grow grit in somebody? And then along those lines, if you can, do we have to start all over? Is it like going to basic where we've got to tear you down to build you back up or can we just add on top of what's already there yeah uh i come to uh, i believe that there that first off that grit can be grown you know it's not a, an innate trait that you're born with or or you don't have and so i think you can develop it through a variety of uh, of techniques and then i also think there's a, a transitive process property to grit where if you develop grit in one arena like you, for example, you know, you were a college uh, athlete, you were gritty, you know, in that. Uh, and some of that has translated to your post-college life as you stood up two different uh, businesses, built a, pod, a couple of different podcasts. And, you know, you've got that stick-to-itiveness or grit that just enables you to overcome obstacles, deal with setbacks, and keep putting one foot in front of the other uh, and doing that. I, I think that is definitely there. Um and so how, how do you start, uh, you know, if you have somebody and kids are great to, to work with, um, you know, because, uh, you 
you know, I've got an 11 year old daughter. And, and so working with her on, on how does, how does she grow her grit? Um, she's loves doing ballet. And so, you know, that's her passion. And so we work with that and then we, but she occasionally has setbacks with it where she's not comfortable with, you know, what happened or, or where. And so talk about, you know, celebrating small little wins. You know, that's a, a great way to do it when you have some sort of big sort of goal. Hey, you know, I want to, I want to stand this business up. And so celebrate those small little wins. Like we talked about earlier, that idea of the streak of doing something towards it, you know, maybe it's your side hustle of uh, writing music. And so, you know, you just commit that, hey, 10 minutes a day, I'm going to do something towards that side hustle. And then when you look back in two months, all of a sudden, you've racked up, you know, all this time and energy put into it, and you're much farther down the road than, than you would. I think some folks, uh, one of the inhibitors is, is the fear of failure. Um, and, and I've dealt with a lot of fears. I was a paratrooper. Uh, I did 102 jumps out of planes. I do have a fear of heights, though. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was one of those fears I had to conquer. And you've got to have that courage to, to deal with that, that fear and, and overcome it. I will say that despite all the fear that I dealt with in the Army, one of the biggest fears was the transition to standing up my own company. And you know, not having clients come in the door for for three months, um, you know, that's a real scary feeling. Like, hey, you know, am I, you know, am I going to be able to keep the lights on? Uh, am I going to be able to make this work? Is this just a, a dumb endeavor? You know, and you hear all those, you know, I'm just an imposter. You know, all those little voices are in your head. And so, how do you how do you develop that courage? Um, a couple of ideas there. Uh, first off, is list all your fears out, and then develop a mitigating method uh, for each of those fears. You know, in my case, you know, with stating up the business, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, I, you know, I spend some of my savings. It, it isn't, uh, you know, economically feasible and I have to go get a real job uh, at, at some point in time or, uh, you know, not do the entrepreneur thing at some point in time. I think those are super helpful ways. Um, you know, you see folks' fears manifest themselves in different ways, whether it's procrastination or, uh, you know, waiting for the perfect time. Uh, so I think that's sort of the hump that we have to get folks over, you know, when you work with, you know, maybe one of your partners is not as gritty as you are um, and talk to them a little bit about, hey, what's holding you back? What's your fear? What's the fear that you're wrestling with? And then let's figure out some ways that we can tackle this and be better at it. You know, that, the, that fear of failure, I think, comes up a lot. Um, you know, there's the fear of failure and there's the fear, there's the fear of succeeding, too. But I think fear of failure is probably more common. And I think that comes up with people that procrastinate a lot. I mean, that's the reason to put it off. It's like, well, what if I do this and I'm not good at it or I, I don't meet expectations? And it's like, well... I mean, like you said, what, what's the worst thing that happens? You know, you tried it, it didn't work out. And now you find the next thing you've tried it. You know, that's one of my, one of my business mentors who I met, um, oddly enough, working retail, he's, he sold businesses and he's retired and he does it just for the heck of it to get out of the house. Um, you know, he would encourage me early on and say, you know, Jesse, like the, the thing is that you're standing up to the plate and you're swinging. Maybe you strike out, but most people don't even get up to the plate to bat in the first place. And 
I think that's a good place to come from where it's like most people aren't going to play the game, pursue whatever it is. It's like, you know, you, I think many of us as, as kids have dreams about this or that, you know, I, I want to be whatever it is, you know, maybe in your daughter's case, maybe she wants to be a ballerina professionally. Maybe, maybe not. I'm, it's complete conjecture on my part, but it's like, if she comes to a fork road, uh, fork in the road and says, well, this is the practical choice and I should become an accountant, but doesn't really have any joy in being an accountant. I wonder how much value she would end up adding to society by, you know, pursuing this thing that makes her miserable. It is valuable in that we need accountants, but if she was able to pursue, say, ballet and didn't make it, I believe there's probably another door that'll open that's not even visible yet. That you don't even know is an option until you pursue that thing, fail at it, and then go, oh, but I can pivot and do this thing. And it just, it was never in your peripheral to even begin with. It's this like leap of faith. I'm not really sure entirely where I'm going with this aside from, I think it's important to use that grit to move forward with goals, even if you have that fear of failure. Yeah. No, I think your mentor was um, one of the things that I talk about is, is this idea of uh, you have to relook your definition of success and failure. And rather than, than calling it failure, it's really a learning opportunity. Um, you know, for me, you know, like, I, I think we talked about it before, before we started recording, but, you know, the, the opportunity to stand up a business has taught me and stretched me in so many different directions, uh, that I never expected. You know, I learned how to put together a web page. I learned how to deal with MailChimp. I learned how to blog twice a week. You know, I never thought I was going to become a blogger and, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I don't think you, I don't think as, at a young age, you're like, Oh, I'm going to run my own podcast. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to learn this. It's, it's new and different. I know, I know some things that other people don't know because you know, the peers and folks that I work with, uh, don't have that same experience and I can bring something to the table on, Hey, you know, have you thought about this marketing idea, you, you know, or, you know, Hey, I'm on LinkedIn and, and this is getting a whole bunch of views and this is super popular. You know, have you thought about, uh, this, all these things have, have, have really been a learning experience. The writing, the book was a learning experience. It, it does fulfill for me, one of those sort of lifetime sort of check the block kind of, uh, things, you know, so I can say, Hey, you know, I'd written a bunch of magazine articles before this, but I'd never written a book and like, okay, now, now I've done a book, uh, I'm self-publishing it, but self-publishing it is sort of a misnomer. It's, I would actually call it hybrid publishing, um, because I've got an editor that's helping me. I've got a, a book publishing group that's helping me, uh, a guy that did the cover design, you know, I'm sort of the, the center of it, but uh, it takes a team to, to do it. And it takes long, much longer than you think, you know, you think, oh yeah, I'm done writing, you know, I'm done pounding out, uh, you know, 45,000 words on the keyboard, I'm done. Uh, but no, it takes, you know, more work to make it better and make it into a book. And then I just discovered this week that I needed 
I probably should add an index to it, which I hadn't been thinking about. And there's a whole group of people out there that do that are professional indexers, which I had no idea even existed. And there's a whole sort of society and, you know, there's different levels. And so I, I will end up having to hire a professional indexer to index the book. And so all these things are, are learning and stretching and, and helping me grow as a person and, and, Hopefully, I use the blog as a as a platform to try to share some of these things with other folks. Um, you know, I'll do. I've got a blog post coming up on writing a book. So anybody that you know decides they want to write a book, here's ten ideas and things to not do that 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 I learned the hard way uh, the the first time through. And so uh, it's been a fun experience for me. Uh, you know, I think we've sort of hit it here a couple of times. That that's sort of how I've approached life. You know, I'm going to keep. I'll keep trying things and I'm okay with uh, getting up and swinging the bat, like your mentor said, and, and that's okay. Because uh, I'd much rather be the guy swinging the bat than the guy, you know, sitting on the bench and wishing that he had, he had done X, Y, or Z. Yeah, you know, you'd mentioned not thinking about starting a podcast and that's absolutely accurate. And even when I decided that I was going to do it, I, you know, I remember just thinking like, you know, who's going to want to talk to me? Like, why, why would anybody talk to me? Like, I'm not like, I'm nobody. Why, like, why would anybody talk to me? So, you know, being afraid of that. And like, what if I can't get anybody to talk to And like, what if I can't get enough people to talk to And, and uh, what if I don't have anything to say? And I, I remember being just for the first, I kind of cheated for the first few episodes and I had like my coach on, they're all people that were, you know, well worth being on the show, but, I had my coach on, I had a, a, a lady by the name of Gloria Stoverink, who actually was working for me at the time, creating recipes for the, for the company. And then uh, my friend Todd, who runs the sports performance lab at Mary Freebed uh, rehabilitation facility. And they were all good, you know, people to have on the show and very qualified to fit in the smart athlete podcast. But it's like, that's, I like cheated my way through that fear by going, well, I know, I already know some people, so let's, let's use them and we'll get them going. And there's definitely been setbacks where I'm like, well, what now? And like finding people, it's like, how, how do I find people in it and trying to figure that out? And that, that there's that fear and then trying to hire an assistant. I don't know how to hire an assistant. And I had an assistant and he did a pretty good job for a while, but then he couldn't dedicate enough time for me. And so I had to get another assistant and go through the whole process again. And it's like, I think something that's easy to forget is that even if we're afraid of starting something like I was with the podcast, there's several things that will happen and, and several good outcomes in that you're going to have setbacks. Like doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you're doing. Nothing's ever going to just be this nice straight line, positive progression. <laughs> like you're going to have setbacks. So just accept that you're going to have setbacks. And I have this mentality when I start a business or I launch a new product or whatever. And I, I apologize for the French up front, but I call it a fuck up fund. And I say, whenever I'm starting something new that I don't know what I'm doing, I know that I need money to back me up because I'm going to screw something up and I'm going to burn money doing something I shouldn't have done because I didn't know better. And so I, I think about it the same way, whether it involves money or not, like I'm going to screw something up and then I'm going to figure out how to fix it. <laughs> and so like, there's value in that and knowing that, Hey, you know, whatever it is, you can probably overcome it. But 
thinking about the idea of, I didn't necessarily think I was going to do this thing. And then where is it going to take me? I don't have hundreds of thousands of listens. Now, if you're listening to this, thank you for listening, for being one of my, my small group of listeners. Um, please share the, share the podcast. But uh, I get to talk to people like you. Like there's, you and I would not meet in, in regular life, generally speaking, you know? And I, I get to, I've met uh, more Olympians than I would have met in my normal life. I've met a few in my normal life. Um, met all kinds of different academic researchers, very intelligent people, well thought out people, people I love having conversations with. So that if nothing else comes from this show, if nobody listens to it, um, I still get the value and, and, you know, added benefit to my own life of getting to, you know, being able to talk to very intelligent, thought out people. And where will that take me? I don't know. But I have faith that those, the interactions I'm having, like the one with you now, will play a role in my development. And that will probably come back out somewhere down the line and help somebody or make an impact somewhere, um, even if I am unable to see that far ahead. No, I'm sure I'm sure you've already gotten it with the with the podcast where somebody listens to it and sends you the note um, that says, you know, hey, Jesse, you know, heard your show last week with, you know, with with Bob or whoever. And, and you know, that that thing that you guys talked about, you know, X, Y and Z really helped me out. And, and it's really doing those are the things that that really make a difference for me, you know, with my blog, you know, you put that out there, you don't know who you're in going to impact. Uh, you know, I, I'm doing it to try to help share some knowledge that I've got and see if it helps, helps groups. You know, I, I had a po- I had a, a, a post go viral uh, early this week, which, I, you know, once again, you know, I think you're the same way. I have no idea which, which post is going to go viral and which one is, you know, the ones that I think are going to go someplace that, that are real valuable, they don't d- tend to do anything. And then, this one was a uh, one of the clients had reached out and said, "Hey, you know, I'm having some problems with some lower level leaders. Do you have any ideas?" So I put something together and it, it went out and it really resonated with a whole bunch of people. And I got some nice notes back. And those notes, you know, fuel me up and like, okay, you know, I can, you know, I can do this again for, you know, I can keep doing this for another month or two and make sure that, you know, the the stuff that I'm sharing is really making an impact and is helping people and. and those are kind of things that uh, uh, that really mean thing mean make it meaningful for me. I, I'm sure it does the same for you as, as you're doing it with the podcast. Yeah, getting getting you know not every episode is going to impact everybody uh, the way you hope it will, but that's definitely like so. If you are listening to this, you're a customer of mine. You get my emails that said you know I send you these episodes you know, at the end of my emails, my signature that kind of tells you about what this is and why I'm sending it to you is that I have a mission with the company that though I do sell soap, basically, um, you know, various kinds that my goal with the company is not just to sell you soap, but it's to improve your life um, physically, mentally. And I don't remember if I said spiritually, but basically that's what it's at. Because there's enough people like just pushing products. Like I 
hope to have a positive impact on you and in your life uh, because I feel like we need one more people that care, but it's easier for you as a listener, I think, to take that idea and pay it forward to the people in your life. If you have somebody, and maybe that's only me, maybe you've got other people that, that care about you and care about your development. Um, and that together, as we all put our individual efforts forward, I think makes us a more sound society or planet if you want to go you know, that wide. David, we're starting to run down on time. Um, you've listened to a few episodes, so you know that I ask everybody a question at the end of the episode. I ask a different question each year. Um, this year, you'll, ask, you'll answer the same question Fergus did. We didn't get to talk about Fergus, who referred you back in episode 95. Um, so if you want to listen to Fergus's episode, go back just a few weeks ago. Um, so the question I'm asking everybody this year is, how do you stay motivated after failing to reach a goal? Yeah, um, yeah, I heard that. I heard that with a with a couple of the the shows. Uh, it's it's one of those things where I, I pretty quickly dust myself off and uh, get back into it and am am trying. Uh, I I will find you know that I uh, occasionally, for instance, uh, rode a hundred mile bike ride this weekend with a group. Stayed with the fast the fast the fast folks till mile 82 when they went around a corner and then went on this tough climb up a hill and I, I lost it off the back at that point in time and limped, limped the rest of the way in. Um, but it was a super fast, uh, you know, 20 plus mile kind of, kind of day. Um, and I'm, I'm going to do another one. I've got another one signed up in another week. Uh, but I've, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm having this mental wrestle with myself right now. Should I do the 64 or should I do the hundred? You know, cause uh, you know, I, I was right there with them up till mile 82. And I know, I know intuitively that I should do the hundred because that's going to push me and stretch me and, and make me better. But it's like, do I take the safe route and only do the 64? Cause I know I can do that. That's easy. Um, or, or not. Um, I I'll be back at it on the hundred. I just got to, uh, I just got to buckle down and, and say, Hey, this is, <laughs> you're going to do this. <laughs> You'll be nervous beforehand. It'll be okay. Uh, that stretch goal is it, just like we talked about earlier, getting up to the plate and taking the, the swing at the stretch goal is much better than taking the safer, the safer route and doing the 64, uh, Miler that you know is doable and manageable and all that. So I, I'll be up. At, I'll, I'll be doing that. But you know, your ego takes a you know your ego takes a blow. You're like, oh, you know, I, I thought I had it. I thought I could stay with those guys, and then all of a sudden you're off the back. Uh, so uh, I'll get back after it. Uh, it's one of those things where I, you know I, I've reframed it as, hey, it was a learning experience. I went a lot farther with those guys than I really thought I I, I was going to be able to that day because it was the first bike race I had done in over a 14 months, I think, you know, I think I, I did something back in January or February of 2020, um, but hadn't gotten out there and really hadn't ridden in a large Peloton um, for, you know, 
a year. And it, as I'm, I'm like, this is a different skill set that I have not been practicing, you know, to hang on this guy's wheel. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm yo-yoing all over the place and all that. And like, I got to work on this and get out with the bigger groups, but I got my second vaccine shot. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get back out there with, with the big groups and really push myself again. So uh, I'll be back after it on, on doing the, since now I committed it on your podcast, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, I'll be out there, uh, out there doing it uh, in, in another week. It's called the prison to peanuts. It's um, it, it, it goes to uh, Plains, Georgia, which is the home of Jimmy Carter. Uh, it, it's a nice flat, uh, 100, 102 miles, about 3000 feet of climbing. So it's nice, nice and flat and fast. I hope. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, yeah, you just written, written uh, commitment to do it. So, I mean, if, if nothing else, it's just, it's a commitment to yourself to do it because yeah. I mean, the likelihood of one of the competitors, I guess, watching it is probably low unless you give it to them to watch. Um, but I, I mean, I think you know yourself well enough to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do it. I just know, just getting over that on that hesitancy. So um, where can people find you? Uh, reiteration, where we can get the book, uh, any social, any of that kind of stuff, where, you know, where can people keep, keep in touch with what's going on with you? Yeah. Um, so like I said earlier, I blog twice a week. It's on, on my webpage, which is www.thefivecoatconsultinggroup.com. Uh, I also cross post the, the blog on LinkedIn. Uh, so you'll find it under both myself and my company TFCG on LinkedIn. Uh, those are the main ways to, to, to get in touch with me. Uh, my email uh, is david.fivecoat at thefivecoatconsultinggroup.com. Shoot me a note. Love to talk to you uh, about anything, whether it's uh, executive coaching or uh, just developing your leadership or grit. Uh, would love to talk to any of your listeners out there that are, are interested to do this. The book's up on on Amazon right now, uh, and uh, once I get the soft cover and hardcover uh, versions finalized, uh, they'll be up as well. But right now, all you can get is Kindle. Good deal, David. Thanks for hanging out with me today. All right, thanks. Really appreciate it.